Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and dear old Melissa. She loves <laughs> it when I call Melissa. her that. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically what I'm known as, so this works pretty good. At least I said dear. Yeah, like that makes it sound like dear Abby, who is also really old, so <laughs> not helpful. We have a really exciting case for you guys tonight. Um, not too many announcements today, just that I am going to be recording on Playlist uh, next Ooh. week. Actually, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, then I already just did it last night. And you did a great job. Right. Amazing. <laughs> I'm like blown away with how great you did. They are going to be so happy you were <laughs> Stop it. Okay. So I'll be doing that. Um, and you'll have to look for that. I don't know when it's going to come out. No clue. Long time in the future, but um, keep your ears open. Yeah. And check out Playlist. It's such yes. a fun podcast to listen to. Lots of your favorite podcasters talking about their favorite songs and different categories or yeah, categories. Yeah. Yeah. There's a topic. Themes. There's a Themes. theme. Right. Yeah. So Melissa already actually recorded on Playlist, which we I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll be excited to even hear hers because of course I wasn't here. So I don't even know how that went. So basically skip that one. Yeah. I was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. Um, and so, Melissa, would you like to tell everybody about our new merch store? Oh, Mandy. <laughs> she danced, too. So, we have our merch store. I think we talked about it last week. It's momsandmurder.threadless.com. And you can get notebooks, coffee cups, 
shirts. I really want to get a shirt and Mandy and I are putting in our order this week. We still have not put our order in. Uh, lots of different fun stuff, a couple designs. Hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll have a third design that may or may not be a chicken with a sweater if we can figure this out. Someone in our group, Nikki T. That sounds like a rap name, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to blast her full name on here. So yeah. Nikki T, yo-yo, in our um, <laughs> sewer group made us the coolest design. So I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate that into our little store and steal all the money that we make from that, um, the millions of dollars and right. for her free work. So right. if we make sucker. millions, then we might have to work out a deal with her. So <laughs> We're sending her stickers and magnets. So we, it's all we have, really. That's yeah. all we have to get. <laughs> so, um, so we have the store patreon account patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast um if you want to support us for reasons i don't understand but we have we have a new episode up on the murder of annie lee which is titled um talented what was gifted and talented gifted and talented the story (laughs) (laughs) of mandy's fourth grade year so if you want to hear if you want to hear why it's titled that uh become a patreon supporter um, we're not. It's okay. We're good. <laughs> we appreciate everyone that's supporting us. You guys are great. We are getting magnets this week. So if you were waiting for a magnet that's coming in, hopefully tomorrow or something, by the time you hear this, you might already have it in your mailbox. Right. I don't know. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and last thing, uh, we have like, we're, we're working ahead on this. I am super proud of us. Christmas is still like almost two months away. But we have an idea that we're discussing in our Mums the Word group, kind of how we can be active in our community and help other families. So if you want more information on that, join our Facebook group, Mums the Word, and we'll have that information posted by the time you hear this. It's already up. It's already up. You've already seen it. (laughs) We are so on top of things. (laughs) We are the worst. Okay. Mandy. Oh, and this episode, by the way, guys, is a Patreon chosen episode. Yes. So we decided to put one of my hometown murders, one of Mandy's, and then a couple other big cases. And this one got over 50% of the vote. So thank you very much. Tallahassee rocks minus this story. So go ahead. Take it away, Mandy. Tallahassee does not rock. I'm a Tallahassee lassie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's the worst. So many terrible jokes and phrases. Okay. (laughs) That's all we have. So today we are going to be talking about the murder of Samara Frash. And some people may have heard of this case because from what I understand, it was actually a pretty big deal at the time when it was going on. Um, I actually had never heard of it, though. So um, I had a lot of fun researching this one and um, learning everything about it. I always like that when I really don't know anything about the case because then it's a lot more, you know, interesting to me to be able to read everything you can find about it. And it ended up being a Dateline case like two days after we had everybody voted. I like was Googling about this and I was like, oh, Dateline, this is so helpful. And it's Keith Morrison, guys. It just was beautiful. It was meant to be. It was a present to us from (laughs) Keith Morrison and screw you, Manx. Yeah. (laughs) You can't say that. (laughs) They're already coming after us. Okay, so Samara Frash was born on December 12, 1975 in Madagascar, and she was a citizen of France before she moved to the U.S. She was a retired supermodel who loved music, singing, and had a YouTube channel, which we checked out, and it was very interesting, highly recommended. I hope everybody will go and check out her music videos. Mandy wrote me back, what did I just watch? Yeah, (laughs) there was an extra word in there. Because it was just that amazing. (laughs) Um, So she grew up in poverty and she realized that she wanted to live a more glamorous life. So when she got to the U.S. and everything 
she set off to make that happen. Actually, I think she kind of started her path. In France. In France. Mm -hmm. And whenever she was doing a lot of modeling and everything. So she kind of started that and then moved to the States and continued her dream of having this. And beyond. It was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. Quite a lavish lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so she met Adam Frash in the summer of 2006 during Fashion Week in Paris, and he thought that she was stunning, and they immediately began a relationship. So kind of, I guess, one of those love at first sight kind of things. Lust at first sight. I refuse to say <laughs> love at first sight about this sort of thing. You don't think it's possible? No. Um, <laughs> I heard one of her friends, who was obviously a model or something in France, kept saying how attractive he was. I wasn't getting that from anything I saw of him, even kind of, sort of, maybe, almost. Well, the only real things I saw of him, he was, like, already in jail, and he was kind of, like, had put on some weight, and Got so... Got a little bloated there. Yeah, so, I don't know, maybe he was, maybe he was better looking. No, I mean, we saw pictures <laughs> when they met, and I was not impressed, but sure. Well, he must have had something going if supermodel Samara wanted anything to do with him. Yeah, so... Well, maybe he had a personality, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. So there was actually a little bit of a problem with this new relationship that started off lustful, as you said. Do tell. Um, and the problem was that Adam was still married to his second wife, uh, Tracy Eleanor. So he had already been married. Semantics. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no big deal. Don't let that stop you. <laughs> so Samara and Adam carried on a long distance relationship in the middle of him trying to fight his way through the divorce thing with yeah. Tracy. So I'm sure that was – honestly, I just don't know. I just couldn't put up with that. Like I, I wouldn't be able to be like the other woman while you're in the process of getting a divorce. I just don't want to deal with any of that. That just sounds like way so too tiring. much drama. Yeah. And I'm just not about that. So. No. <laughs> Get a divorce first and then come talk to me. Thank you. Well, Mandy, that's actually <laughs> not that's a actually, bad idea. It's <laughs> actually – a real good one. So <laughs> check mark for you. So Adam and Samra got married in Vegas um, in 2009. And after getting her overseas uh, orders, you know, uh, sorry, overseas affairs in order, um, she moved to Tallahassee in the spring of 2010. So this was kind of a big culture shock for yeah. her because yeah. we're talking supermodel in Paris mm -hmm. And of course, has what are you saying about Tallahassee? <laughs> that it's not Paris. <laughs> That's all. I'll have Nothing you know more. we are the Paris of Florida. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> We're basically the Florida. There is of Florida. no such thing. <laughs> There's no Paris in Florida anywhere. <laughs> We're going to get so many comments about our giggles. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Sorry. Um, so the two of them moved into the wealthy community of Golden Eagle. And Adam was actually Dr. Adam Frash, and he was a very well-respected and popular podiatrist in the North Florida and South Georgia areas where he had practices in both states. So um, I had actually learned through the Dateline episode that he, because at first I was like, well, how did he have like money that much? Because yeah. I know like when you're a doctor, you have money usually, but not what you're seeing on this. Like right. we saw it's ridiculous. Right. It's like a lot, a lot, a lot of money, yeah. um, which it seems like a theme with the, with yeah, cases we I do. Know. Like why are rich people so crazy? I know. Well, I think it makes <laughs> us feel better about being poor. Cause we're like, at least we're not crazy. Yeah, exactly. I, if, if money turns people into that, then I guess I just don't want it. No, <laughs> you can still give me money. I'm good. <laughs> you're willing to try. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll let you know what happens. 
So he actually got had a lot of money because at this time he was one of the highest earning podiatrists in the U.S. because his claim to fame, so to speak, um, was that he was one of the leading practitioners that was using a new method of um, it was a skin graft procedure that was for diabetics and it was called dermagraft. And so a lot of his patients were actually on Medicare. And in one year that he was working doing this, he received over a million dollars in Medicare payments. So. I don't really understand how that works because I guess I didn't realize that the doctor just pockets payment. I mean, I guess the practice technically does and then he just pays himself whatever. Well, yeah, but um, you could overbill. And I think that was part of the the Oh, you think shady business? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. They did actually go back and check because it didn't make sense why, especially it's Tallahassee in South Georgia. South Georgia is like Thomasville. Shout out to Thomasville people. I know you're there. Um, <laughs> all two of you that I'm friends with. Hi, Sarah. And um, But Thomasville is a very small town. Tallahassee is like college town, the capital, but really it's not obviously a big town at all. So for him to be making this kind of money doesn't make a lot of sense. Granted, he's going to be seeing a lot of Medicare, but Medicare pays like base amounts. Right. Every other insurance bills based on what Medicare is allowable is, if that makes sense. So you're not... He's double billing. They said, um, I read that he would have had to have billed two patients an hour, every hour for 24 hours at a time every day to make what he was actually saying. Okay. So he... Shady. Shady. So something was definitely yeah. going on there. Can I make a comment about where they lived in Golden Eagle? Because okay. I'm so excited. Please, to. this is if my Tallahassee connection. Please. <laughs> Golden Eagle is the most beautiful place in Tallahassee. It's gorgeous. I know people that live there. I'm not friends with them because they're not <laughs> friends with me, but I know people that live there. But I think of Golden Eagle as like the, um, so Tallahassee's Pawnee and Golden Eagle is, what is that rich town that they're always fighting with oh my gosh this is not fun i don't know any you rich can't towns. help me because this is on um parks and rec pawnee and oh forget it forget it move on i'm gonna come back to it i'm so upset this was such a good reference i'm so sad she wanted this to work so bad. so bad eagleton pawnee and eagleton eagleton is a great place that everybody wants to be and pawnee's like the trash city not the tallahassee's a trash city but in comparison to the golden eagle tallahassee it's like its own world so it's like the community where you like pack up your family and you go drive around their neighborhood yeah, yeah, looking yeah. at you Christmas at, lights because because exactly. your neighborhood except is you not can't really because there's a gated community so <laughs> so you have to know somebody who, or just sneak in behind the car in front of you. <laughs> just roll That's through. It. We have like four more pages. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm off of it now. So Adam, in addition to all of his shady billing practices that he apparently had. Uh, He was also an avid gambler, and he seemed to have a lot of success with it. And he actually would say that he never loses, which, of course, we all know with gambling, you do, people do lose. But I guess that was just his way of saying that he's good at gambling and makes money (laughs) doing it. So, and I guess when you have, like, a lot of money to throw around for gambling, well, if you're, if you are lucky, then you can make a lot of money. Not that I ever would recommend gambling because it normally doesn't work out that way. <laughs> I've never done well with any of like the casinos at um, in Tampa. Uh-huh. Hard Rock. No, it's just I would bring $50 and like 10 minutes in. I'm like, all right, who's ready? <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I know. Well, that it's funny. I mean, I'm not I haven't been gambling like, a lot of times, but my dad was really big with blackjack. He loved to play blackjack. And so we used to go on the they had the casino cruises. Um, I don't know if they even do them anymore. The, the, the Victory Casino. Nope. Nope. It <laughs> was Sun Cruise <laughs> Casino. Actually. Oh, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> and you're leaving that in. Nope. <laughs> so um, but we used to go and do that and he would take us. And of course, I'm always 
was like, well, thank God for daddy being here because I would be out of this game in yeah. like two seconds. But my dad was so great at it. And every time he would be up money, he would cash in and then give me more to play with. And so what oh, a man. nice dad, right? Yeah. So it was all just for fun. But um, yeah, at this point in my life, I can't imagine just going and doing gambling no. for fun because I don't have that kind of money to play around with. Mm. So, um, so Adam had two previous marriages and four other children prior to uh, his marriage to Samara. In fact, during the time uh, between his engagement and his marriage, Adam actually fathered another child with another woman. And when Samara found out about this, uh, which was when she came over to the United States and she found out, of course, she was furious because yeah. this is her fiance. Yeah. And, um, you know, love, love, ready to get married. Yeah. But she, I guess, wasn't that mad because she decided to stay with him and get married anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I who knows what she was thinking at this point. But, yeah, definitely during their engagement, he got somebody else pregnant. And he had enough children. I don't really get what he was doing there. Right. That's, and he was pretty young. So to be already, you know, working on his third marriage. Yeah. I just feel like there's red flags popping up all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Several. We could have written his life story at this point. We would have known what happened next. Yeah, exactly. So the two of them, Adam and Samara, lived a very lavish lifestyle, as we said earlier. Um, he Adam would actually buy cars as like a hobby. So he would he just liked the thrill of it. And I'm guessing it kind of goes back to his like, you know, pension for gambling. And yeah. he seems like the kind of guy who High just, risk kind of Right. Stuff. Like he just loves that kind of thing and just obviously loves spending money, you know, just for the sake of spending money. Yeah. So at one point he actually had between 80 and 100 vehicles. Oh, and these were not... This isn't like your clunker that he's just picking up. You <laughs> what know. we drive. <laughs> <laughs> he would not be interested in my car no. at all. So he, he was buying like really nice Mustangs and Mercedes and just all kinds of different, you know, higher end luxury cars. And he would go online searching for these vehicles until he found the perfect one that he really loved and just had to have. Right. And if he, it didn't matter what time of day it was. If he saw one that he liked and it was in another state, well, he would just, boom, get on a plane and go buy the car. <laughs> I don't. Just, just I for don't fun. Remember. It was just like I know. a pastime. <laughs> I know. Uh, he needed like a Pokemon or something to collect those kind of yeah. things. <laughs> it's like the rich person's Pokemon. So within a few years of marriage, Samara and Adam had their first child. It was a daughter, and her name was Hyra. And Samara turned all of her attention from her career to being a mom, and she, her friends and family said that that was really her yeah. passion. She just absolutely doted on that baby girl, just loved her to death, and was a really good mom. And um, But, of course, she always had a taste for the finer things. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and she definitely raised her daughter or was trying to raise her in that same style. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't even think there's words for all of what she was doing. But yeah, go ahead. Continue. I can't with any of this. So she started a clothing line and made a website or a Facebook page or what have you and would use Hyra as her little baby model for right. these adorable. And she's a beautiful girl. Beautiful, beautiful baby. Um, and would use the, the baby as like her model for all these extravagant little outfits and everything. Yeah. And the, I mean, they were adorable, but it's just the kind of Not thing that I'm like, practical. I wouldn't put it on my kid because I would be scared they were going to ruin it in like 30 seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just those kinds of outfits. So yeah. anyone who's a mom will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's similar to the idea of like putting shoes on a two month old. Like, why are you going to do that? Like right. they don't need them. Right. And you're just fighting against a flat foot. It They're not working <laughs> with you. 
<laughs> it's silly. So there's several YouTube videos of their time in New York City. They like would travel all around. And did you watch any of these videos? I didn't. I only watched the ones, the clips of the ones yeah. from the Dateline. Oh my goodness. It was very elaborate. It's literally, and this is a real video you can find, and we'll have to link to some of these. It's um, Samara in New York City pushing a, a not shopping cart, pushing a <laughs> stroller. <laughs> in like, you make her sound like a homeless woman. <laughs> opposite (laughs) pushing this stroller and it had like fur all around it just oh yeah humongous like she was in a cocoon and the girl looked terrified and people are just walking around taking pictures of her because the mom's in this like white fur beautiful tall you know like she demands attention wherever she goes pushing this thing around good old Adam's over there wearing Ed Hardy from head to toe. <laughs> That's like his, his entire t-shirt collection is I Ed know. Hardy. Yeah. So if he sold that stuff, he was not making anything. He lost a lot of money on all of his Ed Hardy. Every picture I saw of him, he was wearing Ed Hardy. <laughs> so it gives you an idea of what time of ugh, the world this was in. Um, so anyway, so her first birthday party, I watched clips of that people walking through on the red carpet. The people walking through looked confused while they were there. <laughs> and and Samira was saying, um, Samira was saying, you know, oh, we had people flown in from all over the country. And you just see people walking down the red carpet like, what exactly is happening there? And they're like trying to be nice. And she put this video out and they're all trying to be nice. But even they are like, what? No, this is real dumb this girl's it was very kardashian-esque yes it was the tallahassee kardashians which is not a compliment (laughs) for tallahassee or the kardashians they were a hot mess (laughs) so she and adam actually had another daughter a year later and she loved being a mom even more and they did show some clips i saw on dateline with her just with her kids and just engaging with them and no makeup no hair done and just seemed like she really loved them it was nice to see that just like a normal mom yeah right the rest of it would make you like it was hard to get through the rest of it. Right. <laughs> but you see that and you're like, okay, she she wasn't, it wasn't like nannies everywhere and stuff. Like she really loved this part of And she was mom. like a hands-on. She Absolutely. was a present hands-on mom. Right. Um, so as great of a, a mom as she is um, or was and, you know, as, as much as she loved doing that, she apparently there was a little bit of trouble in the marriage. And um, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Samara actually um, had accused Adam of having multiple affairs, which he denied and still to this day denies that he ever cheated on his wife, which I don't know how you can deny that when you got someone pregnant. Well, lots of history there. Yeah. So I don't know. But I guess it's a pride thing. Maybe he just doesn't want to admit. Yeah. That well, it doesn't help. That him at all it doesn't do him any favors to say he had affairs so right so they had kind of a tumultuous relationship there were threats and violent outbursts and Samira was even um arrested at one point for domestic abuse herself so from the sounds of it and from the friends that were interviewed for the dateline it sounded like Samara was also a little bit yeah um what do you want to say like short fused mm-hmm. maybe and so the two of them together was just like very volatile. Right. So Mm -hmm. it just wasn't a good situation. So, um, it was to the point that it, Samara was actually looking to divorce Adam at this point. And this is after, of course, they had these two daughters and she was going for full custody and spousal support from him. So she was actually granted the full custody of the girls. And, um, Adam was not to be, I guess, left with the kids. Right. So, I don't know how that worked. Yeah, they weren't very specific about that. But, yeah, she had primary 
primary custody. So him taking the kids without written permission from court, I think is what the issue would have been. Okay. It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes, not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash, I was really devastated. Here's this tiny thing totally dependent on me, and now she's fussy and obviously uncomfortable, and I'm supposed to have the answers. Well, with time and treatment, it went away, but what I really wanted was to avoid it altogether. And now, baby butts rejoice. New Huggies Skin Essentials are here, a brand new dermatologist-approved line of diapers, wipes, and pull-ups training pants, all designed with baby's sensitive skin in mind. The wipes are thick and have zero harsh ingredients for a great, gentle clean. Pull-Up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Um, so surveillance tapes from the night before Samara's death showed what appeared to be the couple arguing in the car outside of a restaurant. And Adam even, like, gets out of the car and tries to go over and talk to Samara through the driver's side window and she kind of like opens the door and like shoves him off and then yeah. slams the door in his face and uh, she's actually backing the car out while he's like halfway in yeah. the vehicle so yeah. it's clear that it's not a friendly conversation right. of course you can't hear what's being said or what's going on but because you can surveillance tell. tapes will not help us for anything right <laughs> come on guys at around 11 a.m on February 22nd 2014 so this is the day Next day, after they had their little argument in the parking lot, um, a call was made from the Frosch residence, and it was a maintenance man who had called and said that he had arrived at the house and found 
Samara at the bottom of the pool. So we go from this evening of arguing right. to the next morning, the maintenance guy who is just there, I'm, I assume, to do. maintain things <laughs> to maintenance i don't know what that's like having somebody come and I do know. that for me but um so he finds her at the bottom of the pool and he immediately called 911 and had described that she was had been in there for a long time and said like there was no movement the pool was still so he knew she was right. there for a while he had said he did not know how long she was in but she was definitely yeah. a goner and that um he wanted the police to come, and that was that. So the 911 operator actually asked this man if he would be willing to go in the pool and pull her out. And he immediately was smart, in my opinion, yeah. and said, no, I'm absolutely not going to do that because he knew that being the person who called it in, well, who's going to be the first exactly. person they want to look into? It's going to be him. And then his DNA's on her right. and all that stuff. You right. can't. Honestly, so, I thought it was genius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Very, you want to be him to be helpful, but at right. the same time, you're like easy to pin it on onto him. Right. He's the only one there. Honestly, I feel like that whole thing, though, that scenario is like my worst nightmare because I don't really consider myself a strong swimmer anyway. So yeah. I feel like I would be hard pressed to even pull somebody out of oh, yeah. the water. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I don't even. I just got on like well, that she couldn't swim process. either. She, that's what they said that she was unable to swim. Right. So of course. They are thinking initially possibly she had an accident where she fell into the pool and couldn't swim and couldn't get herself out and drowned in the pool. Of course, she was fully clothed, had on her robe, and she wasn't wearing a bathing suit. Like, she was intentionally getting in the pool. Yeah. So when police arrived, they saw what appeared to be one of Samara's sandals stuck under the pool hose. And this was actually in the pool on one of the steps. And so it had just looked like a flip-flop had come off her foot near a stair. got stuck underneath it right like it kind of tripped her her foot got stuck and she tripped right so police realized that the couple's children weren't there um whenever they responded to the scene and of course they started to worry about where they could be they wanted to know where was the father where was everybody else that was supposed to be in the house and they actually issued an amber alert for the two girls while they continued to track down adam right Police got in contact with Kendall Lindsay, who was a friend of Adam's. Uh, Kendall had been informed of Samara's death through another mutual friend, and once he confirmed that through the police that Samara was dead, he decided to call Adam to break the news to him. So at this point, Adam's not there. The girls aren't there. So uh, Kendall calls Adam, and Adam asks where he is. And Adam says, well, I took the girls this morning, and we're at our beach house in Panama City. And Panama City is about an hour and a half outside of... Tallahassee, beautiful Gulf Coast, love that water, wish I could be there, wish I had a beach house, but yeah. <laughs> alas, he had one. Um, and so he tells Adam to hurry up and come out, come back home and find out what's going on. Um, in the meantime, one of Kendall's friends from the police force called on him to help find Adam. Detectives then sat down with Kendall to ask him his thoughts on Samara and on Adam, and um, very quickly, Kendall came out saying, he was not a fan of her. He didn't like her. He didn't want Adam around her. He thought the marriage was terrible. And basically he said that at one point, if, if it was me, 
they would have, they wouldn't be looking for the killer because my hands would still be around her neck. Like he hated her so much. That's like such he a was, dumb thing to say when you're why? being interviewed by the police. And this woman is dead. Just was found yeah. dead. Like let's not say hey, we found her dead. We don't have a right. suspect. Oh, right. If it was me, right, <laughs> I'd still be trying to kill her. That just doesn't make up. any sense. <laughs> don't say anything. Exactly. So um, he talked about actually going head to head with Samara, and he said that at one point he would, in an argument, he threatened to actually throw her out the window. So this guy seems like a very, um, a good suspect, really. Right, and he's giving all this information to the police yeah. himself. Like, what are you doing? First <laughs> of all, ask for a lawyer. And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh my and gosh. And then go through all this. So yeah. So police start looking into Kendall because obviously this guy is not a fan of Samara. Um, and then they realize that he actually does have a solid alibi. Um, it was revealed before... Revealed the night before Samara's death that Kendall was out hunting, which is totally a North Florida, South Georgia thing to go and do. Right. And the following morning, his wife drove him to work. Um, it was confirmed that he was actually at work at 1120 and Samara's body was found at 11. So Kendall actually had, that was his alibi. So I don't understand alibis and how they decide that that's a good alibi. Right. Because so he got to work at 1120, but obviously she was killed at least before 11. Right. She was just found at 11. So I don't, how do you know he still couldn't have had something to do with Thank it? Thank you. That doesn't make any sense to me just because he went to work. Well, if he was hunting and his wife says he got home at 1040, then he took a shower and I brought him. Then I guess that's one thing. They had to have checked like, um, receipts from going hunting or he went to a gas station they had to have had more than that because there's no way somebody gets away with saying i, I would have killed right, her myself right. <laughs> and then like yeah, i was just hunting <laughs> so when the police finally caught up with adam which by the way he did not make it back to tallahassee apparently the local police down by the beach had spotted him and kind of picked him up and yeah he had said oh i'm actually on my way home and they said well actually we have some guys from Tallahassee that came down to speak to you. So yeah. just come with us and we'll do it here. So that has to be scary. Like, right? I know. Like, the detectives from there are here now. Yeah, and they're, they're ready. already here. Yeah. Well, in Panama City, they probably had nothing else going on. Probably. Unless it was spring break. So they yeah. were, they welcomed the chance. So when they brought Adam in for questioning, he was shaken up and very tearful. And, you know, whether or not you think it was genuine, you'd have to listen to the interview tapes, I guess. Um, I rolled my eyes when Mandy just mentioned it. So you can see yeah. how I feel. <laughs> uh, so he described what he had been doing for the last 24 hours and basically had just laid out this lovely picture that he had spent the previous day with Samara and the kids. They had gone to run errands. They went and had a nice lunch together. And then they all went home and they had a wonderful evening together um he said that uh him and Sa samara made love or whatever he and said and the police officer did you hear them say he did was... you mean have sex and he's like i don't like to talk about it that way i'm like please you're making me throw up just no let's get technical here i just can't with that i can't so he actually claimed that Samara had asked him to take the girls and go somewhere the next morning because she wanted a break and wanted to sleep in and all that. Well, I think as a mother, we can all relate to that. Yeah. That sounds legitimate. For sure. I mean, there sometimes you just get to that point where you're just tired from, I don't even want to say this, Living. but straight up momming so <laughs> <Yeah>. hard. <laughs> you know, like you just stop laughing at me. <laughs> no, it's true. Like there are times where you're just like, I can't do this one more minute. Uh, right. Take them for a couple hours. Like if I don't I, even care where hours. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I could care less what happens. Watch TV for all I care, but just go. Right. And so according to Adam's, te uh, not testimony, but according to his interview, what right. he told the police, that's what 
the deal was. And so that's why he wasn't there the next morning because he had left to take the girls to the beach house and he told police that he left his home about 8 a.m. Well, they had uh, security cameras at their property because, of course, they did. And that was actually confirmed. You have security cameras at your house. <laughs> Richie Rich. <laughs> I don't have them because I'm rich, okay? <laughs> I have them to stay invincible. There you go. Um, so that was actually confirmed through the security surveillance uh, footage that he did leave at 8 a.m. They have him, a video of him driving out off the property, and the timestamp does say that it's roughly 8 o'clock in the morning. So that was um, not a lie. So he, of course, maintained that he would never harm his wife. He loved her very much, that when he left that morning with the girls, she was still in, in bed asleep, and everything was completely normal uh, that morning whenever he left. So having been already made aware of their past history and their violence and, you know, the arrests and everything, the police were not really quick to buy into his story, and they placed him under arrest, but not for murder because they didn't really have anything to, right. to hold him for murder we on didn't that. Know if it was murder to begin, you know, right. it was suspicious. They were suspicious and they wanted to dig and find any reason they could to, to hold on to him while they sorted things out. Right. So they actually arrested him because he had taken the girls and according to the agreement, the court custody agreement, he was not allowed to do that without express permission right. or what have you. So that's actually what he got arrested and held there for. And, uh, while he was waiting for them to figure out what was going on. Right. And they said they could hold him for a while on that. That was not like a 24 hour. Well, I imagine it's kind of along the lines of like kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, they had an Amber alert out and everything for the kids. So, right. So that brings us up to around 11 AM when the shocking discovery of her body was made by that maintenance man. When authorities came and retrieved uh, Samara from the pool, her body temperature was already too low to be able to determine just how long she had been dead for. But the medical examiner did make some interesting um, notes about her that kind of gave a little bit of insight into the probability of whether she was killed before or after 8 a.m. when Adam left. And this is kind of where the case gets really interesting because a lot of people, of course, the prosecution believes that they have there's no doubt in their mind that he did it and then right. left the house. But then the medical examiner who actually examined her body had found that there was actually no signs, really no signs of death that they typically see when someone has been dead for several hours. Right. So they didn't have any, she didn't have any of the discoloration of skin or when somebody dies, um, the blood, you know, gravity kind of makes the blood pool in certain areas. So there was none of that. And there was no rigor mortis setting in yet. And they said furthermore that her fingers and toes were not pruny like they would be, you know, wrinkly like they would be if she had been submerged in water for three plus hours, yeah. which is what um, the prosecution, of course, was saying that she she was tossed into the pool before right. 8 a.m. and left there until Her 11. Her skin would basically be peeling by that point if you right. were in the water right. that long. Exactly. So there was none of that. So, right. of course, that kind of raised some issues for the prosecution because now they're going to have to figure out how to place Adam there at a time that would be correlated with what when she probably died, which... Right from what the medical examiner said was likely after 8 a.m. Right. After he's already seen leaving the house. Yeah. So that's kind of 
where it gets a little bit interesting. Um, they had a, the prosecution had another wrench thrown in their whole entire case when a neighbor of Adam and Samara's told detectives that he had seen a woman um, matching Samara's description standing out in front of the house loading something into a vehicle around 1025 in the morning. So he could not confirm that it was Samara. I'm not sure if he didn't really have a close relationship with them or yeah. if he probably had just i mean they're neighbors but i know with my neighbors i couldn't probably pick them out of a lineup you know no, what i mean i would i know who they are because i see them every once in a while but i could I don't know a, specifics right i could give general. you a loose description of my neighbors but i wouldn't be able to if you said is this him i i don't know maybe yeah <laughs> you know but i also keep to myself and try not yeah. to be friendly we with don't my like neighbors. people so it helps <laughs> um so he wasn't able to confirm that it was Samara, but pretty much everything that he said about the woman that he saw in the driveway is a dead ringer for Samara's description. Yeah. He said he saw a black woman, tall, dark hair. Pretty much that sounds like her. So they began to entertain the idea that possibly it wasn't Samara in the driveway and that it could have been another woman that maybe just looked very similar to her. Right. There was um, a lot of accounts told by friends that Adam had a very particular taste in women and that he seemed to associate and kind of get romantically involved with women who looked very similar, had like the same features. Right. So he had a type basically. Um, and so, and then of course with his history of cheating and uh, this alleged cheating and everything, Mm -hmm. they wanted to look into the possibility that maybe this was a mistress or another woman situation, maybe who was jealous and wanted to get rid of Samurai. The security camera? That's what I didn't understand. That's what I don't understand either. How do you have security cameras and you can't see... I mean, unless they just didn't have any on the actual driveway, which seems completely useless in my opinion. Right. (laughs) You should have them everywhere. Yeah. Where were they exactly was my question. Right. They're not on the pool and they're not in the driveway. So what are you doing Those are like the two main ones I have. I know. (laughs) You know? So anyway. No, I don't really get that either. So police interviewed... Uh, a few other women. There was three that were exotic dancers, and the other one was the mother of the child that Adam had during his engagement with Samara. So they actually put her. Um, they you know they called her and wanted to talk to her and find yeah. out what exactly the details of her relationship with Adam were and how often did she see him and did she ever have any run-ins with Samara? And um, this woman said, no, absolutely not. I only saw Adam once a month. I would meet up with him, get my check from him, and we would part ways. Didn't that make you sad? Because it didn't sound like he even saw his kid. Like, based on that, it was like Samara was so angry. I I can't blame that all on her, but it seemed like she was so irritated that that this happened, that this affair happened and this baby comes out of it, that she didn't want anything to do with the baby. So it was almost like that baby didn't exist right. to them. And That's how sad. I read it. That made me sad. But it, I mean, but it also sounded like the mother of that child was totally fine with that arrangement. Yeah, and it didn't, did. you know, didn't. But we only got a glimpse of it. So I'd like right. to think that she wanted something different for her kid and it just didn't work out, if that makes sense. But it made me sad for the baby because it's not yeah. the baby's fault. Well, maybe maybe she went on to, like, find somebody else. Who <laughs> do you is... like how we're trying to make ourselves feel better? <laughs> We have no, we have no dog in this fight, and I just want the kid to be okay. I'm just hoping she found like another man who was willing to really good person, like, and, right? Yeah. Like, is, is she's raising that baby now with someone else? That would who be who loves a baby, and yeah, yeah. Yes. That's, that's what I am. We just that's what I imagine picture, in my yeah. in my head. So I hope that's the truth. Wow, we are full of fairy tales. So. <laughs> So after interviewing all of these women and asking them the questions, they they all also had alibis and their stories all checked out. So they were all cleared and 
that didn't really go anywhere. That was a dead end. So right. basically we're back to square one. So who was in the driveway? Right. Was it Samra? Was the guy who saw supposedly saw this person even looking at the right house? Like, yeah, you that's know, what like he said. Just, it was such a big neighborhood. He right. Have, and they're spaced out some. It could right. have been anything. Well, he insists and he says he's sure. He was walking with his daughter that morning and he is positive that he saw somebody in their driveway. But you, it's, it's really... Um, hard with like witnesses and stuff because there's so many factors and humans are make mistakes whenever they, you know, they think they see something or they think they hear something and maybe it is or isn't true. And it's just kind of human nature, I guess. I saw a creepy car in my neighborhood and I took a picture of it, like just kind of like this, (laughs) you know, to the side. And then I left, came back and I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can remember the details, just like testing my own abilities and I was like, I think it's a red car. And I looked and it was a green truck. It was a oh, truck. No. <laughs> so I was like, I cannot be a witness to anything. I was very convinced. So yeah, don't commit a crime around me because I cannot help you. No. <laughs> so detectives had found um, an unknown DNA sample on the robe that Samara was found wearing when she died. And they were unable to match that DNA to any of the possible suspects that they were already investigating. So none of those other women, uh, not the friend who made the weird comments about killing her himself and not the maintenance man or uh, his son who was also there. So they did not have a match to this other DNA that was on her robe, which I guess I'm impressed that there was DNA on the robe if she was underwater. Well, I, I, think I apparently robe, know nothing no, about DNA. No, the robe fell on the ground. I don't think the robe, the pictures I saw, it was on the pool deck. I feel like maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But see, I even thought like, okay, well, that's not that weird that somebody else's DNA is on there because you had to buy it from a store. Somebody's handled it. Like, I always wonder about those kind of things. How yeah. much there's unknown DNA. Okay, well, did somebody make that thing and right. that's why it's there? Right. How do you are know? We're just dumb. I, we are. We shouldn't ask I that. think we have to, <laughs> Do not beg questions that you don't want answers to. And don't please. review us based on that question, yeah. please. <laughs> I don't want... My heart can't take that review. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, Adam was eventually indicted on the murder charge and it would be up to a jury to decide whether or not he was guilty of murdering Samara or not. Um, whether or not or not. Yeah. <laughs> that made total sense. Um... So he was actually offered a deal, and that was if he would just plead guilty to manslaughter, he would be uh, up for a maximum of 15 years in prison, which honestly, if you did commit murder and you knew you did, yeah. that seems like a good deal to I take. Know. 15 but years is not life. I think some of it is pride, though. Some like You hear this a lot where it's like you could have eight years or 80 years, and there's all this evidence stacked against them, and they still go for it. And then I think, was that, was that your best choice? Right. Really, that, that's really what you got? I yeah. get uh, being an innocent person and doing that, but even if I was innocent, I think I'd be like, I've I've watched enough Daylines. I'm going to jail. Like, right. I'll take the deal. <laughs> Give me the deal. So he didn't take the deal, obviously. I'm sure you gathered no that. No deal. Um, he basically was insisted that he was innocent and wanted to have his day in court like everybody else and wanted to, you know, he was very confident in the jury system and thought that he was innocent and they would find him innocent so he not guilty they find him not guilty (laughs) doesn't mean you're innocent so during the trial there was a witness who there was a couple of witnesses that got on the stand and by the way almost all of the evidence they had in this case was circumstantial they they really did not have anything solid to tie him Mm -hmm. to this murder um in fact like i said before they had a few things that pointed 
to the possibility that maybe he wasn't the one yeah. who killed her. So I'm wondering right now. Right. I know. <laughs> so, um, but one of the witnesses was somebody that Samara had been working with, um, I guess, trying to build a website or doing something along those lines. And this man had overheard a conversation that she was having on the phone with Adam. And it was kind of a heated discussion. They were arguing right. and Adam had threatened, had said something like stupid, like, oh, I'll, I'll kill you or something. Right. And um, so this person heard that. And this was about two weeks before she died. So stuff like that, I'm, it's always hard. I've never personally told anyone I'm going to kill them because right. you just don't say things like that when you're normal when and you sane. Want to kill them. Right. But, um, it's, it's a bad example to say that, Please but say how many times though, do you say dumb things that are not, that yeah. you would definitely get nailed for if somebody like heard you say it and then yeah. something happened, like you'd be like, Oh, I'm definitely screwed for that prison for. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's just even. I don't know. But in an argument with your spouse, you're not going to say, I'm going to kill you. Especially a heated argument. If you're joking, if I'm joking and my husband can't find the remote and I say, I'm going to kill you. If you can't find this remote because I really want to watch like The Office or something, that's a joking thing. But if they're in a heated argument and you hear somebody say that, that's like, okay, (laughs) alarms are going off. (laughs) Maybe we should take this a little seriously. Yeah, maybe we should pay attention here. So there was um, another witness actually who went on the stand and this was part of some people think this was like the most damning part of the testimony that was given in his trial, but they had put his cellmate from jail while he was waiting, awaiting trial um, up on the stand. And this man claimed that Adam had told him this story of what had happened that night and what happened to Samra. And what he alleged is that Adam told him that, uh, that morning that she died, he and Samara had a fight because she had found some text messages on his phone where he had been texting other women. And right. she became angry and jealous and upset and all that. But and they're divorced. I'd like to right. point that out. But go ahead. But they're still living. Or yeah, he was, was there. Weird. And it was, it's all weird. It's all weird. It's all weird. Um, so this... What did, they, what did they keep calling him? Jail... Wait. Jailhouse snitch? Yeah. <laughs> the jailhouse snitch <laughs> um, said that they got in this argument over the cheating and it became really heated and that Adam had actually clubbed her over the head with a golf club and didn't mean to kill her, but it was an accident. What? what? <laughs> and then he got... Did you got, think you were teeing off right. inside the house? I don't understand how that's an accident. Whoopsie. I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand hitting people in an argument. Yeah. Anyway. Well, now she but they to did. whack someone with like a driver. Like you obviously know you have a possibility of killing them. Right. If you do that. Right. Especially if you're any good at golf. Right. Then, <laughs> then you do. That sounds terrible. But no, they did say part of her um, her autopsy showed blunt force trauma. So right, it lined up with what the the snitches get stitches guy says right so it did yes her cause of death was officially ruled blunt force trauma and and drowning so they're saying that she was hit over the head first and um the prosecuting attorney was saying that she likely would have died from that injury anyway but that she was actually tossed into the pool while she was still alive right which honestly is horrifying well and especially for somebody that can't swim so she can't do anything well even if she had been clubbed over the head even if she was conscious i feel like drowning is the most terrifying way to go no 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 nope 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 um find a better way to kill me people right so the jailhouse snitch said that adam basically threw her in the pool because he was just so scared of what he had just done i guess it was just an attempt to cover it all up and make it look like a drowning um so that's what he said right so 
that didn't really add up, I guess, to the defense, of right. course, who was like, wait a minute, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Right. And the medical examiner had also said that in her professional opinion, she did not believe that Samara was hit over the head with a golf club. She right. said that the injuries that she had really were not consistent with that theory at all. And that it was probably more likely that she was hit in the head with like a fist or right. something, not something. Goodness. I, I don't, I don't, I can't even get my head around any of this. Yeah. Um, but she did say that after looking at the body and everything, she did not think that um, she had been hit with a golf club. But either way, detectives went back to the house after jailhouse snitch had told them this information. They went back digging around looking for this golf club that allegedly was used as a murder weapon. Right. And sure enough, they found a golf club in the master bedroom kind of leaning up against a corner. Well, it had been there a while, they said. I don't know how much time had passed between when he had gone to jail and got arrested and then when the detectives went back and found this because they said there was like cobwebs and stuff yeah. around it. So it had been sitting there for a minute. Um, but a this minute? is minute. We don't <laughs> talk like that. Andy. We're, just, we're too old to say a minute um, as a, a hot minute. Yeah. like <laughs> I can't with that. No, I'm not going to allow you to say that. That's too much. Fine. We're too old for that. But what, one thing, who was it that was talking about, um, they said that Adam called a friend to get all the golf clubs out of the house, right? That, that was like, was it the jailhouse? It, yeah, because okay. he was going to be getting out soon. Okay. And so yeah, he yeah. said, oh, Adam told me to go to his house and get rid of all the golf clubs. Right. Because he knew one of them was the murder weapon or whatever right. the case may be. So keep in mind, this person's also a criminal. Yeah. And has been in jail. So possibly not the most reliable testimony. I don't buy, I, I would never, ever, ever base my decision as a juror on um, a jailhouse snitch. So the detectives did find that golf club, like I said, that was in the home. And they determined through forensics that Samara's DNA was on the head of the golf club, like as in the part that hits the ball. Um, but this is something that bothers me because it was in her house in her bedroom. So I don't, I guess I don't understand what's so bizarre about her DNA being right. on an item in her own bedroom because you would think like, yeah, duh, she lives there. Her DNA is going to be on right any item that you yeah. pick up from the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and so I, I just don't know enough about how DNA transfer works. I mean, I know you can get DNA from blood or saliva yeah. or um, hair. I mean, a anything like that, but. I'm not sure. That's what I kind of think, though, that it had to have been a specific type of, like, like a saliva, something you wouldn't have on there, blood, hair, something, that it would seem like, okay, well, that, that could have been used. It wasn't just from her picking up the head of the golf club. It was something more sinister, really. Right. Otherwise, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, of course her DNA is on there. That's stupid. Right. But, I mean, but then it, it just goes against what the medical examiner found right. that said like no i don't believe she was hit with a golf club i mean yeah. this is a professional medical examiner yeah. so i think she would know if it was it's consistent with that tallahassee. oh my god no i'm just kidding <laughs> i love tallahassee that's my people oh my goodness so after being presented with all of this evidence and all of these crazy twists and turns um which like i said all the evidence was really circumstantial so the jury went out to deliberate and the attorneys of course they don't like when the jury goes out because it's very stressful and you don't right. know what they're going to come back with or how long it's going to take. And you have to just kind of wait around waiting to see what's going to happen. And in this case, they didn't have to wait very long because yeah. the jury returned in 90 minutes, which yeah. is like a lightning fast. Um, I 
think I would say let's stay in here a little bit longer. And right. Even and, if we've got a decision. And just think about this for a minute. Let's eat lunch, <laughs> something. Right. <laughs> Everybody eat a Snickers. Tell us about your day, something. Right. I don't know. So... I guess whenever you have like a very quick deliberation, yeah. it probably means everybody went in there already on the same page for the most part. Yeah. And there was very little discussion or convincing because right. everybody already had the same thing in mind. So he was found guilty right. of murdering Samara. Well, which, typically that points to a guilty verdict also, not just right. one or the right. other, but it's typically guilty. Right. So, um, so he was found guilty and sentenced, of course, to life in prison. So they took the death penalty off the table, I had read, that yeah. he, I guess that was... At one point was a potential option. And then... See where that went with Casey Anthony. It does right. not worked in your favor no. at all. And especially not when you don't have any solid evidence. No. So, um, so yeah. So, I am kind of surprised because I think there was plenty of reasonable doubt in this case. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, just the fact that he was seen on camera leaving at 8 in the morning and then the, you know, professionals who do the forensic stuff for a living said... There's no way she had been in the pool for three yeah. hours. Like, you know, they're just or been dead that long even because right. they there was no signs of that. There was nothing, no evidence to support the idea that she had been killed before 8 a.m. and had been at the bottom of the pool for that long. Right. So to me, if I was a juror, I mean, to me, that's enough to me to say, mm, I don't know if we can convict a person right. of murder. That's reasonable. But yes. Reasonable doubt. That's it all is. you have to have. So I... I'm just kind of surprised. Based on what we know, mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I don't think I could convict him. Right. Based on what the state, you know, the evidence the state had. And it's the state's duty to to give you enough evidence to make you say 100% the person's guilty. Right. And I don't think they did that. So No. Be, yeah, what we had. But did you hear also that after, like, in uh, closing, was it in closing arguments or in sentencing, that the mother of Samara had talked about she had sent a letter and um the defense was really irritated about this because the prosecution read it it was kind of like a victim impact statement sort of thing but um but the defense was ir really irritated because they hadn't had this prior to the trial and in it in the letter Samara's mom basically says yeah Samara had talked to me a few weeks before and there had been like a lurker at their house and stuff so kind of saying like Looking could have been somebody else right yeah and so obviously defense was really irritated but the prosecution said well we had to get it translated and all that so not saying the prosecution was wrong or anything but it is kind of that's like something they should have had time to look into a little bit more well i agree and then the other thing that is kind of mind-blowing that they didn't you know look into other possibilities the uh prosecuting attorneys of course thought that the, just the fact that he left the house at 8 a.m. and took the kids was suspicious. And they're like, oh, obviously he killed her and then took off. You right. know? Well, to me, I don't think that's really that suspicious that he left the house with the kids at 8 in the morning. And if you really think about it, well, so so then she was home alone, which would be like a prime time if anybody wanted to right. harm her. Yeah. She was home alone. So I don't understand how they just jumped to automatically, like, oh, well, he left the house, so he obviously was guilty. Like, he left because he was guilty of something. I'm like, and I'm not saying that he did or didn't murder yeah, yeah. her. I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But I just think um, it's, it's hard for me to make that leap to... Well, the, to murder. The other comment they made is that when they the police found Adam, the girls were like in their pajamas. And somebody said, she would have never let the girls leave the house in pajamas. They would have been all dressed <laughs> up. 
I'm sorry, but if I'm getting to sleep in, I could right. care less what you dress my kids right. in. I don't she wasn't going to get out of bed. Right. She's not going to get out of bed and make sure they're all primped no. up so they can go to the beach house. Like she wanted to sleep in. She didn't want to that take care the of them that morning. Point. Right. Like she didn't want to do all that. Right. So yeah, I, I thought that too. That I was like, give me a break. And then I had to like roll my eyes because I'm like, my kids go everywhere in pajamas. My <laughs> like, son. You know? Um, at my mother-in-law's birthday this last week, got himself completely undressed in the van. And then as we walked out, he just runs inside in just his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I wasn't shocked at all. And everybody else was like, whoa, what's happened? Yeah. But that's like totally normal right. for our house. Yeah. No big deal. No, but yeah, no, 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 fr- no frilly fancy outfits here. No, no, no. <laughs> Literally my kids would not keep them on. So no. yeah. So this was an interesting case. Cause this is one of the first ones I feel like at the end of it, we're kind of like, huh? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's more evidence that we just don't know about, but from everything I read and we researched and we watched, I don't think they had enough evidence to, no. to pull the gun on guilty. I agree. So I'm not going to fight for this guy's case or anything. I'm not interested in that. No, we're not going to be anyone's advocate. Yeah, nobody's. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. But no, I feel like there's a lot of evidence, but just not enough to have said that. So best of luck to you, Adam. Yeah. Best of luck to you. So, um, okay, well, that is all for our show this week. Um, again, find us on uh, Facebook our Facebook group, Mom's the Word. We have 300 members now, at Crazy. least by the time you hear that, yeah. So um, I really enjoy that group. It's a lot of fun. Twitter, Instagram, all those places. Patreon, Threadless. Come check out our merch store. I think that's all. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and I don't know. Just en- Please, if enjoy you the rest yeah. of the week. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>I'm Casey. And I'm Samantha. And we're the hosts of True Crime Storytime, a podcast for all things true crime. We will be bringing you fortnightly episodes covering everything from murder and mystery, disappearances, theft and fraud, abductions and kidnappings, and more importantly, trying to take a lesson away from each case, because every story has a message. Can't get enough true crime? Do you enjoy movies based on a true story? I'm Craig. And I'm Maria. We decided to merge the two and talk about true crime and the movies based on them. I know the real story and have done all the research, but I haven't seen the movie. And I've only seen the movie and know nothing about what actually happened. We've got cases and movies from every end of the spectrum. Some movies are great and others, not so much. So come on over to Texas True Terrors and give us a listen. Learn a little something and maybe get a laugh or two along the way. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play at Texas True Terrors. And you can find us on Twitter at Texas Terrors. If you like what you hear, rate and review us on iTunes and it'll help us keep this thing going. Bye, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.